I trust everyone's having a good feast. I had a joke I was going to tell today. It would knock your hair off. But I look around, so many have already heard it. <laughs> so I guess I won't tell it. But uh, once again, good morning. And uh, today I wanted to speak on something that that's dear to my heart, and that's the, one of the main reasons we're here. And it's called the Crowns of Glory. <clears throat> now, if I have a little trouble uh, focusing, uh, I'm not used to having a camera stuck in my face <laughs> because uh, we got a small congregation down at Russellville, and Ian comes by down there, and he has his camera, but he's in the back of the room where we can't really see it usually. But uh, hopefully... Uh, I'll be able to get through this okay today. But anyway, the crowns of glory, brethren, is something that we all are striving to have. It's the most important thing in our future, is what the good Lord is going to give us in the future. You know, our Christian life is always, we're always involved, it seems like, in much, much suffering. The suffering of this world affects all of us. We're all, uh, believe it or not, we're all temporary. We're all part of this world. We're not in the world, but we're a part of it. And we see a lot of suffering everywhere. But we know, brethren, the kingdom of God is eternal. And just like today, the message we already heard about work. I didn't know Rick had that in him. I've known him since he was 11 years old. But uh, I thought he did a real good job up here. He embarrassed me that I had to follow him. But... Uh, We'll straighten that out when we get back home. <laughs> but uh, No, I love it, boy. He's just like my own son. But today I want to bring you words which should help us to stay focused on the wonderful world, words of our Savior about the crowns of glory. If we remain faithful to the promise He's prepared for us, and that's the important thing, staying focused and staying faithful and staying on track. I have several scriptures. I, I probably have more scriptures than I need, but I want, I want us to turn over to Matthew chapter 25. And I want to read down, starting out in verse 14. It's talking about the parable of the talents. And being a member of the, of the family of God, and you are a member of the family of God, you have to have talent. You have to have something that was there for God to call you out of this world. He called you out to do a, do a service, to do a work. He called you out because He knew that you had what it took and what it takes to finish His labor that He set, set aside for mankind. In verse 14 it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately went on a journey. Now I don't know how many talents that I have. I don't know how many talents you have. I know that sometimes I feel like I don't have any. But uh, I keep coming back. There's something that keeps drawing me to this. This makes 55 feasts I've been to. And it's hard when feast time comes around, it just uh, uh, it, there's something builds up in you. Your heart gets real mushy. You get to thinking, here I am again, going to the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, I've had some health problems myself. 
This time last year, I wasn't here because I just got out of the hospital having a pacemaker put in. I wanted to be here. A friend of mine brought me up for the first day, and then they had she had to take me back home. But I said, if it's at all possible, I was going to be here this year. And thank God I've made it. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. See, that's what we're supposed to do, brethren. We're supposed to take what is given to us and improve on it. You improve on the talent that's been given to you. You improve by studying, by meditating, by praying. These are ways that you do this. Then he who had re received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So in verse 20, he said, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. But look what the Lord said to him. He called him a faithful servant. It says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what the Lord should be saying to us when we do these things? Because He's, he's found faith in us. He knows that we can carry out the things He gives us. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. We're here today learning how to be rulers over many things. There's little pocket groups like us all over the area, all over the United States, all over the world probably. We're all learning the same thing, and that's how to be a profitable servant, gaining that crown of glory that we're going to receive. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Is there anything better than the joy of our Lord? Nothing. Verse 22, he said, He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him in verse 23, Well done, good and faithful servant. He said the same thing to the one who had five talents. This person may have not had the gifts that the person that had five talents had, but he did the best he could with the two. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then in verse 24, this is where it sort of changes direction. We see what the Lord thinks about a slothful servant. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went, and hid your talent in the ground. Do we do that? Do we, uh, are we afraid sometimes to step forward, uh, like it was mentioned in a Bible study last evening? Uh, 
are we afraid to mention about the jewel that we carry? So many of us, so many of us are afraid that if we uh, mention that we're a Sabbatarian or mention that we keep the feast, that it might cost us friendships. It might cost us our, our jobs in the workplace. So we hold back. We hold back and we choke on it. In verse 25, he said, And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you should have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have at least received back my own with interest. Therefore, in verse 28, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. It's so important, brethren, that we remember that. We remember that the crowns of glory, we have to do something. We have to prove to our, to our Lord and our Creator that we want what He has. There's other scriptures we could read in that area, but turn it with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. I wanted to read those to sort of lay the groundwork for where we're going. I don't really know how much time I've got. Dale hasn't stood up and said anything yet, so if I get to running a little bit long-winded, which I do sometimes, if everybody gets up and starts leaving, I'll know it's over. So, so don't be embarrassed to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. We do that, brethren. We receive our gifts from what we do. You're all here. You're all here keeping the feast. You're receiving a great gift by just being here. By being here and fellowshipping. By being here and listening to this wonderful music we're hearing. By just being here and, and being able to hear me, that's worth something, you know. <laughs> so, I'm trying to get you to all laugh so, so to make time go faster. But uh, it's, it's wonderful to know what we have to do. I've always wondered about the uh, churches out here in the world that we were all at one time a part of. They really don't have anything to uh, grasp hold of. They just think they're going to die and they're going to go to heaven. Basically, they go to church all week, sow their wild oats, go to church on Sunday praying for a crop failure. And, you know, that's, uh, that's not what we do. We have a message. We have a reason for being what we are. But remember, you, you reap what you plant. In Psalms chapter 62, verse 12. The judgment seat of Christ is a very, very, very important thing. And it's what we're all striving to be a part of. That we will one day be a part of His very family here on this earth. Psalm 62, verse 12. I can get my nimble fingers to get over there. Verse 
verse 12 it says and to you o lord belongs mercy also to you o lord belongs mercy for you render to each one according to his work and that's what we are brethren we we are god's garden we are god's instruments We've been called out of this world because He knows that we have what it takes to finish the work. And we have what it takes to remain faithful to the very end. That's a very important thing that we do that. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. This is the last chapter of the Bible. And this, these are some of the most important verses where Jesus testifies to the churches. In verse 12 it said, And behold, I am coming quickly. Well, it doesn't seem like He's coming quickly because it's been 2,000 years since He was here. But He'll come when we least expect Him. He'll be here. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to His work. Now, I know we can't earn salvation. I know that. But I also know, it's kind of funny how this sermon's kind of going along with the first one. And I, I didn't even realize what he was giving. But I do know that we have to do something. We have to prove to our Savior that we're willing to walk that extra mile, to do the things that we need to do to, to be able to help. Think about this millennium's coming up. A thousand years reign of God here on this earth reign of Jesus Christ here on this earth. I was talking to Ian about this a couple times. I don't know. This is speculation, and I guess speculation is what it is, speculation. But the Feast of Tabernacles represents a millennium being here on this earth for a thousand years. Each day of that seven-day feast is an important day in that millennium. I don't know exactly where we're at as far as time goes, but say it's the third day. And you take seven and divide it into a thousand. And that may be a, the third day, may be kind of where we are in the millennium. We may be in the third century of that millennium, or the, you know, the third 300 years. Because there's a thousand years. Who knows? I mean, that's speculation. I know it is, but you get to thinking about it. When the feast first starts out, it's sort of disorganized. We want it to be organized, but it's not. And then as you move along, it gets better as you move along. And by the time the feast is over, everything is just going really super smooth. Well, think about the millennium. It may be that way. Because people are going to be coming out of this world that just went through some of the most horrendous things that humanity can go through. And the only settling thing in their life is us. We, hopefully, will be spirit beings living over into that millennium. And we'll be there to, to work with them and to walk with them and say, look, this is the way. Go this way. Don't go the way that you came out of. Be there. We'll be there for you to help you, help you overcome and help you understand that the way of God is the only way. And I, I mean, that's kind of speculation, I realize that. But who knows exactly what it's going to be? I just know at the beginning of the millennium, it's going to be horrible. 
absolutely horrible because the wars and all the things that went on in this world before the millennium starts, those people that live over into that, they're going to be in shell shock. My father was shell shocked from World War II. And I remember what he went through for several years after the war. I mean, someone just snapped their finger around him, he would just go berserk. And you think about what the people are coming out of that will be living over into that millennium. And they're going to need something soft, something sweet, and something tender to deal with them. And that's where you and I come in. That's part of that crown of glory, brethren. That's a part of that crown of glory. So in verse 12, we read it again. It said, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, the Lord knows what we're doing, and He knows how important it is that we accomplish what we're starting. Point number two, I had a bunch of points, but I'm probably only going to be able to get through a couple, three of them. The reward of reigning with Christ. Turn it with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. I won't be with you after tomorrow. I'm going to Hot Springs. I'm leaving tomorrow afternoon. I'll be down there for the remainder of the feast. So if I didn't get to meet you, maybe I'll meet you next year. The reward of reigning with Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. It says, If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. We are faithless. He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, verse 6 it says, Blessed and holy is He who has part in the first resurrection. Now when you start talking about the resurrections to people out here outside the church who haven't really understood it, they kind of look at you with a blank stare because they think when they die they're going off to heaven. But when you read these words, it's very plain to understand there is going to be a resurrection. Over such the second death has no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. There we are, that millennium, brethren. We're going to be reigning with Jesus Christ. Think about a crown of glory when you're actually a part of the very family of God with Jesus Christ as our King. And King David over all of Israel and all the apostles over each tribe of Israel. We don't know where we'll be. You know, but it doesn't really matter if you're there. It's such a wonderful thing to even think about. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, last chapter again, talks about the faithful who endured. There shall be no night there. They, know, they need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. That's a reward of reigning with Christ. That's what we have, brethren. That's what we have to look forward to. If we just remain faithful to the very end. 
Point number three, do we have the reward of an inheritance? Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Now these are those who endure and they're faithful. So now, brethren, verse 32, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Sanctified, brethren. That's what we are. We do have an inheritance. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, Verse 17, it says in Romans, And if children, then heirs. What is an heir? An heir is someone who is going to inherit what their parents left them. My daughter can't wait till I'm gone, I guess. She's still, she knows that I only have one child. And uh, she knows she's not going to have to fight anybody for what I have. She just doesn't know I'm going to spend it all before she gets there. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that, that's what an heir is. He's inheriting something someone else left. And that's what Jesus Christ is. He has given us an inheritance. And if we hold fast, we will receive it. Then verse 17 said, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we, we may also be glorified together. We all are heirs of that family of God, brethren. We all have a chance to be there. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. Ephesians 1, chapter 14, uh, verse 14, it says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? In other words, who guarantees it? Jesus Christ gave His life as a down payment for us in that inheritance. He gave His life so we would have a chance to inherit eternal life. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory? Jesus Christ is our heir. We will receive what He's given us if we hold fast to the end. In Colossians chapter 3, always lose Colossians. I don't know why. When I was young, my parents made me memorize every book in the Bible and I, I, could, I could quote them forward and backward. But as I've gotten close to 70 years old, I'm, in, I'm barely in my 60s now. Uh, I've forgotten a lot of those. Chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing, verse 24, that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus. An inheritance. We know that Christ gave His life as a down payment for us. All we have to do, brethren, is remain faithful for that inheritance. An inheritance that will give us everything that, that this world can ever possibly give a servant of God. Everything. 
it may it'll make this glitter around Branson look like absolutely nothing. Can you imagine a whole planet looking like the Garden of Eden? And you there working it, planting it, taking care of the animals? I mean it's just an amazing thing. It's to think what an inheritance we have. Next point. The reward of faithful service. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. I had ten points, but I don't think I'll get through all of them. So I think you'll get the zest, the zest of what I'm trying to say anyway. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21 talks about a reward of faithful service. It said, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What we were given our task to do, we accomplished if we hold fast to the very end. And the reward that we're going to receive by holding fast will be so innumerable that we, we won't have a clue how to even take care of it. It'll be so, so vast. Luke chapter 12. I'm a farmer by heart. I was raised on a farm. I farmed the biggest part of my life. I'm not now. I'm retired now. But there's nothing more pleasing than to look out on a pasture that's full of cattle. Or look out on a pasture that's growing real well needing to be cut for hay or sheep or whatever you might raise, but there's just something settling about seeing animals out on a field. Think about if you're in the millennium and your, your job is to help the farmers get their life started again, get their, world, get their ground producing again, getting the kind of fertilizer that the world needs. We're going to have animals, and I have a feeling animal fertilizer is what we'll be using. It'll be natural. It'll be the way God intended it. It's something about farming that makes a person stand up and take note and realize God has a plan to be worked out here on this earth. He wants the world to be like the Garden of Eden. If not, why would He have created the Garden of Eden? Why would He have put a man in, in the Garden of Eden to tend it? Rick was talking about he didn't know what Adam looked like. I told him one day, just look at me. <laughs> he didn't think that was very funny. He thought, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm sure Adam was a specimen of a man. But Adam sinned and came short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ was not a man that, that uh, was comely and everybody just look to you know he was he looked like everybody else but brethren it's not the outward appearance it's what's in here it's what you build around and that's your heart that's what the lord is looking for he's looking for us he's looking for people that he can put out here and do his work do his bidding for him and he knows that we'll get the job done that's what he's looking for brethren in luke chapter 12 verse 42 it says and the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household 
to give them their portion of food in due season. A faithful servant. That's who we're looking for. Verse 43, it says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Will he find us so doing? Will he find us doing his work? Will he find us leading the people and showing the people where they need to go to get help? Because that's what we're going to be doing, brethren. We're going to be helping people. We're going to be leading people. And I don't mean standing behind them and pushing them. I'm talking about out in front and pulling. Pulling them up. There's been too much pushing in the past. We have to be pullers, not pushers. I don't know, Have you ever worked for a man that uh, was a pusher? He never gets much done. But a man who stands out in front of the crowd and he's pulling, he's pulling the horse, he gets a lot done. And that's what we have to be. We have to be the person who's out front pulling, not the person in back pushing. I learned that the hard way. I've been stuck many times in, a, in, in bottom land where that, uh, I, I drove across it when I shouldn't have. And I'm out there pulling, trying to get unstuck. And my wife giving me a tongue lashing because I got her involved. So, But that's one thing about it. I had a wife that worked. She worked just like I did. And uh, we've hauled a many a bale of hay together and worked a many a cow together. But uh, cattle are like people. If you get them stirred up, you're in deep doo-doo. But if you get it, you can keep them calm. They work pretty well. I've had Rick over to help me work my cattle before. He knows how it is. But uh, anyway, in verse 44, it says, Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Over all that he has. That's what the future holds for us if we remain faithful to the very end. The reward of faithful service. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, how much time have I got, Dale? Huh? All I want? Okay. Go ahead and order dinner. Have them bring it in. <laughs> now, I've got to meet my sister at 1 o'clock at uh, Olive Garden, so I'm going to have to cut it short pretty quick, I guess. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ. Am I in the right chapter? 2 Corinthians. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought I got thinking about dinner there. I sidetracked. Okay, here we go. Verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Do you feel like you're a new creation? I feel like I'm not new anymore, but I, I do feel like that uh, I have something that a lot of my peers doesn't have. I have the love of Jesus Christ, and I know He loves me. And I have the truth. The truth will set you free. That's all we have, brethren. That's what separates us from the world. We have the truth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have a new start. We have a new beginning. When we were called out of this world, we were called out for a new start completely. 
to learn the true ways of God and to learn how to live His way and let Him rule us, control us, and direct our paths. Now, I don't mean that we're not, we don't make mistakes. I've made a plenty in my life. But we know that we can get back up on our feet and He'll still be there pulling us. He'll still be holding us up. He'll still be carrying us when we need to be carried. In verse 18, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of re reconciliation. I'm, am I on the wrong Scripture? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. Okay. I'm telling you, I've got to change my glasses. Okay. You got me all confused now. Verse 17 of chapter 4. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While in verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. These are the things, brethren, that separates Jesus Christ and us from the rest of this world because we see these things. We know that they're there, and we know if we hold fast that He'll be there for us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, I said I made a comment to the young fellows that are where we go to church. I said, "Now, this will probably be my last year to speak at the feast because it's time some of you young bucks stepped up, and they all just kind of looked down their nose at me. So, so I don't know what's going to happen from it, but I think that uh, we have a lot of young people now that are very qualified that need to step forward, and as the old saying goes, start carrying the bag, put it over their shoulder, and start carrying it." First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. It said, That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by far, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our truth, our knowledge, is like gold, brethren. It's like gold. And if we want to hold on to it, the reward that we're going to receive will be the greatest reward that mankind can have. So do we have an imperishable crown? In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, it says, And everyone who competes for, this, for the prize is temperate in all things. What does that mean? It says our, our crown was made by God. Man's crown perishes. God's crown does not. Nor now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Our whole life is built around an imperishable crown. Just like the ancient apostles, just like the ancient prophets, they did what they did, but they never received a reward. They are going to receive it. It just isn't here yet. But they held faithful to the very end. 
They've laid up the crown. They've got it in the they've got it waiting on them. They've got it waiting on them. So do we have the crown of glory? Peter exhorts the shepherds on taking care of the flock of Jesus, our Lord, and what awaits them. So let's talk about that over in 1 Peter 5, chapter 5, verse 2. I don't normally talk this fast, but uh, uh, the time is running short on me, so I'm trying to get as much through as I possibly can. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsions, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Do we do that? Are we, are we of that frame of mind? Verse 3, it says, not, Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Being an example. Being an example that everyone else can look to. Being an example that the young people can look to. They know that you, you've held fast to the very end. And they watch you, brethren. They watch you and see how you handle yourself. Rick Mars was just a young man when I, he came into my life. I watched him grow up. I watched him when he was having all kinds of trials in his life. But you know, I stuck by him and others stuck by him. And look where he's at now. He's here with four more boys he's trying to stick by now. So, But, uh, and others, I've known so many over the years. Some that made it, and some washed their hands and went away. And hopefully they'll, they'll come back someday. Verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That's what we have to do, brethren. Peter exhorts the shepherds on taking care of the flock of Jesus. Well, think of yourself as a shepherd. You are a shepherd. And one day you're going to be shepherding a lot of people. And they're going to be looking at you as an example. They're going to be seeing what you do. And after they watch you and they see that you hold fast, they're also going to see what awaits them if they hold fast. Yes, brethren, there is a crown of life. James chapter 1, verse 12. It says in verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. A wonderful crown of life. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. By the way, if you're ever down in Russellville, Arkansas, and you need a place to go to church, you're most welcome to come and meet with us. We, we have a nice little facility down there. We own our own building. And uh, we've, we've been there about 15 years. So if you're ever in the area and you need a place to come and keep the Sabbath, Please come and visit us. In chapter 2, verse 10 of Revelation, it says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life. All we have to do is just be faithful. Be faithful. 
hold fast to the end. His promise, brethren, to all who is willing to do His will, do His will, keep His word. Keep our hearts on the straight and narrow. Follow Jesus Christ in all that we do. All that we do. In 1 Peter chapter 4 for the final Scripture. Like I said, I had a whole bunch more stuff that I could went through, but time is fainting. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. He suffered for us, brethren. He died for us. He gave His life for us so that we could be here learning His way. So we could be here learning the truth. Learning that there's a way of life that the world doesn't know about. That when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Yes, brethren, there is a crown of joy. Peter says, partake. He will be willing to suffer for our Savior. Are we willing to suffer for our Savior? When His glory is revealed, if we suffer and hold fast, we will be extremely glad. Like I said, I'm cutting this a little bit short because of time. But I want to wish you all a happy feast. And hopefully I'll see you again some of these days. I'll be here tomorrow, but maybe I can shake a few hands. But I've enjoyed it. I thank Dale for giving me the opportunity to speak. And uh, he, it may be the only opportunity he gives me, but uh, it's been fun today. So hopefully you got something out of it. And did I have my makeup on right for the, for the camera? Okay, good. So have enjoy the feast.